Why was Yaakov Avinu so interested in telling his children the due date, when Moshiach would arrive, and why did Hashem stop him doing so? Now, there's going to be two opinions about exactly what happened to Yaakov, and of course, we have to understand both sides of the argument. Yaakov must have had a really good point, and Hashem obviously had a very good point too. What's the lesson for us about waiting for and expecting and demanding Moshiach? So if in Pasuk, the Pasuk in our parasha that says, Vayikra Yaakov Abonov, Yaakov called his children and he said to them, and he said, gather together because I need to tell you, I want to tell you, what's going to happen to you at the end of days. So the Chazal tell us in Gemorim Psochim, that Yaakov's intention was that he wanted to reveal to his children when Mashiach is going to come. And it didn't work out. Why not? Because when the Shechina left him and he was unable to share this information. It's Tomor, so it's really strange when you think about the story. When Yaakov wanted to reveal this information about when Mashiach is coming, Yaakov's intention was not just to tell his children, look, I know something nobody else knows. I know the grand secret when Moshiach is coming. Obviously, Yaakov intended that this would have some benefit and use for the Shvatim to know this information. If not for them, then the Jews of subsequent generations. Obviously, there was value in having this information. Question is, what's the value? Our question is, what benefit could there have been to the Jewish population if Yaakov had revealed back then when Moshiach was going to come? In fact, logic says it was no benefit. To the contrary. Had Yaakov actually told them when Moshiach is coming, which we now know. We know it's going to be thousands of years later. Because we know Moshiach is still not here. So, back then, surely that would have been quite disheartening. So, surely would it not only have not added value to their lives, to the contrary. Surely this would have broken them in a terrible way. It would have disheartened them in the most terrible way, knowing Moshiach is not coming for millennia. Okay, so the Mephorashim try and explain. That actually Yaakov didn't want this to become public information. He wanted to share this information only with his own sons. And the reason he could trust them is because Shetzadikim Hoyu, they were obviously people of high caliber. And he could trust the fact that in spite of them knowing that the Kates, the time for Mashiach was long, a long way in the future, it would not have discouraged them and would not have stopped them from serving Hashem properly. And even though Yaakov only wanted to tell his children that Tzadikim, the Ebesh just still didn't want that to happen. Why not, say the Mephorashim? Because the news might have leaked out from Yaakov's sons to other people, and then they would not necessarily be such great tzaddikim. And they would see that Mashiach is only coming millennia down the road, and that would have been a cause of despondence for them. That's the argument of the Mephoshim, but it doesn't actually satisfy our questions completely. Because Aleph, number one, the chashash for Nivodele the fact that maybe the news will leak out and other people will hear about it, and therefore the Ebesh have blocked him from saying it, if Yaakov was Megaligan, which could have happened as a result of Yaakov sharing this information with his 12 sons, you don't need the Ebesh to tell you this. It is self-understood. Information leaks. That's the nature of societies. So Yaakov surely was aware of this possibility that the news would get out to the wrong people and would cause them distress. So therefore, why was Yaakov 
motivated in the first place to share this information with his children, knowing it could have a negative effect. The main question we have to address is the mitvet Even by saying Yaakov wanted to only tell it to his children and David just stopped him, we haven't addressed the main question, which is we still haven't explained. So what value would there be to Yaakov's sons knowing when Mashiach is coming? Long way in the future. Which motivated Yaakov to want to share this information. We still don't have an answer for that. What did he think it was going to benefit them? In addition to which, there's some other questions we have to consider. We also have to understand. It's interesting that the Chazal give two opinions about what happened to Yaakov. And obviously each one of them is telling us a different message. And we have to know what those messages are. One version is as the Ketz is in San Givaron Eichon Yaakov. Not only did Yaakov not tell the time to his children, but he himself was suddenly blocked and couldn't retrieve that information, didn't know when the time of Mashiach was going to be. That's the language the Medrash uses, that he came to share the Ketz with his children, and then the next thing, it disappeared from his mind. In fact, the Medrash at the beginning of our parasha says the same kind of thing, that the information about the cats was hidden from Yaakov at the time he wanted to share it. That's one version of the story, but there's another version. The other opinion is that Yaakov knew still at the time where he was going to speak to his children, he knew when Moshiach was coming. But he chose not to share it with his children and possibly because the Shekhinah left him, which was an indication that he should not be sharing this information. We'll actually see this in the words. Maybe that's what the Gemara Pesachim was trying to tell us when it said, that Yaakov intended, he wanted to share the cats with his children. But the Shekhinah left him and that was an indication, keep it to yourself. The Gemara doesn't leave a generic, and the information left him. Hakets, the information about when Moshiach was supposed to come, left him. It must be because the Gemara was of the view that Yaakov still knew the date of Moshiach's arrival, but he chose not to share it. Why? He lost, so to speak, contact with the presence of Hashem's Shechina at that point. So he understood. They were just sending me a message. Don't share this information. Therefore, he didn't share it. You can take it even deeper than that. The language of Shechina is like they were saying, I want to dwell within and amongst you. Dos heist, in other words, Shechina represents the Shechina indicates the capacity to be able to manifest something from a higher reality down into the, the so mundane reality of people. So if there's no Shechina, that's like the inability of Yaakov to be able to share information that he could access because he's a very great, lofty, spiritual person, but he can't share it now with his children. So okay, so there's two views. Yaakov himself loses the information about the date of Mashiach's coming, or he retains that information, but he realizes that he cannot share it. In which case, we have to understand. One thing's clear, according to all opinions, it's clear that the Eibishter has the power to prevent Yaakov from sharing information that he knows when Moshiach is coming. He could still, the Eibishter could prevent him from sharing that with his children. So then, if the Eibishter could stop Yaakov from sharing this information, why in the first opinion did his circumstance have to change? The Ketz is Nistan Givarim from Yaakov, and he himself had to no longer remember or know when Mashiach is coming. Later on, we'll see that this is a very deep part of the message of what we're supposed to learn from the story. 
So Mikola and Ali is moving. One thing is Kriyas Beda Yifanim, whichever way you look at it. Whether it's Yaakov's intention, which is to reveal to his children when Mashiach is coming, or whether it's the Abishta's override, which prevents him from revealing that information. It has to be that each approach stood to offer the Jewish people a benefit and to help us to serve Hashem better. In other words, knowing when Mashiach comes has a certain benefit and not knowing when Mashiach is going to come has a different benefit. And we have to understand what those benefits are. Let's take it a step further, understanding who we're dealing with over here. But Baldas Yaakov is Ene Fundi Abbas. Yaakov is one of our forefathers, and the definition of a forefather, the father, as Alter tells us in Tanya, is Shehin and Amerkava. They are vehicles for manifestation of godliness in the world. Their entire life, 24-7-365, was dedicated only to manifesting Hashem's will into this world. There's no choice but to say, if Yaakov had an urge to want to share the time of Mashiach with his children, and that was something that he wanted to do until Abishu made it clear to him that he could not do it, the fact that Yaakov, as one of the forefathers, as a Merkavah Telikos, wanted to do that is given by Hesem to Ratzim must be aligned with what Abishu wants. At that moment, when Yaakov wants to share the time of Mashiach, he is a vehicle for godliness, therefore, this is what Abishu wants. And then the fact that subsequently the Ebishter doesn't permit him to be able to share this information. It's because at that point in time, the type of conduct that was required on the TLS was coming from them and the benefit that would result from that conduct. As a That was something that relied on the information about Mashiach not being revealed. So there's a value in having it revealed. Therefore, Yaakov Avinu keys into that. They just wants me to reveal it. And then there's a value in not having the information revealed. And we have to understand what the two are. And the Bayezan of France, that's why there are two opinions about how this played out. The first opinion is that whatever the value is of not knowing when Mashiach comes is a value that even Yaakov had to experience. And therefore, which would explain the argument that he himself lost track of when Mashiach is coming. Whereas the second view is, whatever the benefit is of living without knowing, with the mystery of you don't know when Mashiach is going to come, would only benefit the Shvatim and not necessarily Yaakov. Which is why, according to that opinion, Yaakov did not lose sight of when Mashiach is coming. So we need to understand, what's the benefit? What's the benefit to Yaakov potentially? What's the benefit to the Shvatim? So we'll have to understand this based on based on the explanation that Chazal gives us actually in the Zohar, al Apostol, the Apostol in Oz Yosha, which says, that the brings us to the ultimate place of his inheritance, which is Eretz Yisrael. Says the Zayar as Ilu Zochu Valtaibisha Shen Dan Vesitias Mitzam Gebracht the Eden in the Mochen Shiftrop Alta Hashem. Had the Eden deserved it, that moment of entering Eretz Israel after Yitzias Mitzrayim would have been the ultimate. In other words, Moshiach would have come right then. Meaning, Vasis Binyona the Kutcha Bricho, the Beisam Mikdash that would have been built, would have been built not by humans, but by the Abishta himself. Is Nechayach, Ken Churban Begolus. And that building, Pa'alta Hashem, a base Amigdash built by Hashem, could never be destroyed, and therefore there could never be Golos. And so therefore there was the possibility that the Exodus from Egypt would have been the ultimate Exodus into Gula, and Mashiach would have come then, and we would have lived happily ever after. As the cats in them, even, 
So now, we're at a period over here with Yaakov and his sons, which is where there's still the potential that the Jewish people would earn Moshiach at the time of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. Is given his man for Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. It's still possible that Yaakov is speaking to his children about the possibility that Yitzhiya Mitzrayim will go directly to Moshiach. That would help us understand what Yaakov's intention is. Yaakov wants to reveal not just the timing of Moshiach, but the possibility of Moshiach. In other words, Yaakov wants to convey to his children, you're now in Mitzrayim, you're now building the possibility of bringing Moshiach now, that the Gula, which will come as promised to Avraham Avinu, is going to become the ultimate Gula with Moshiach. That's what he wants to sensitize them to. Now, he wouldn't be telling them anything new about when they have to leave Mitzrayim, because that's already been foretold to Avram Avinu. Because they already promised Avram Avinu that the extent of the wanderings that the Jewish people would do in foreign lands would be up to 400 years. So they already know that. And then they have to leave. So what's Yaakov telling his children that they wouldn't already know? So what we can answer is this. Yes, they had this information, this tradition that had been passed down through the generations. That by the end of 400 years, they're out of there. They'll be free of Egypt. But they did not have the insight that there was the potential that that exodus could translate into Mashiach. And that's what Yaakov wants to tell his children. This is the potential case. This is the potential end of all Goliaths ever, if you get it right. Now you understand why Yaakov wanted to share this information with his children. Because when they would hear this amazing news, that the ultimate case, the ultimate gula, is actually really close by and accessible. They'll put in the effort to make sure that they merit, because that's how it works. If you merit, you get Moshiach now. So they'll invest the effort to make sure that they merit. This is what Yaakov wants. He wants to motivate them to merit Moshiach then. They'll be exceptionally careful not to have any avarice which might derail, God forbid, the process. Which could delay or hide that potential of leaving Mitzrayim and going straight to Moshiach. Now we understand why Yaakov wanted to tell his children this information. The only problem is, still doesn't make absolute sense because none of them would have been alive to see it, surely. It's not a good enough explanation. By the time Yaakov passes away, which is where we are in the parasha, there still are at least 200 years until Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Which means that any Jew alive at that time would be disappointed or even sad at the fact that Mashiach is coming after their lifetime. Because they know that the natural maximum lifespan of a human being is 120 years. They would not live to see the Geulah. In which case, surely we're back at square one, which is why share information, which could upset and demotivate the people. So therefore we have to have another layer to understanding what Yaakov's intention is. By Yaakov illustrating to his children that there is the possibility of an earlier Mashiach time at the end of Golos Mitzrayim. And you get there by earning it. 
that would motivate and inspire them to put in a tremendous amount of effort into serving Hashem and gathering up those credits to earn Moshiach. Maybe they do such a good job of it, they can actually bring the Gula even earlier than what was promised to Avram Avinu. That the exodus from Mitzrayim, which would turn into the Gula of Moshiach, could happen even earlier than it was anticipated to happen. Like the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us, that when Yeshayah Novi says that Hashem will speed up the Gula, that means if we earn it, the Gula comes earlier than expected. And the truth is, Gula's Mitzrayim did end earlier than expected for different reasons, but it just shows the possibility of it ending earlier. <laughs> we know with regards to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, as in of the time was Golas Mitzrayim Gedod, no reduction. The fact that the actual slavery in Egypt was only 210 and not 400 years, not the 400 years that were set out by the Abish to Avram Avinu at the Bris Ben Abisarim, what sped it up? Because it was a more intense slavery than anticipated, therefore it sped up the time frame of the slavery. In other words, showing there is the possibility of speeding up the exodus from Egypt. Therefore, Yaakov Aminu's message to his children is, get involved, get as many schusim as you can, bring the gula even closer, you'll live to see it. Is moving. So the logic is, if the intensity of slavery could have sped up the arrival of the Gula, well, if something negative could speed up the Gula, surely something positive, their investment in doing more of what they wish to wanted, surely would speed up the Gula, and that's Yaakov Avinu's intention. So the question is, with such a beautiful intention, why did Hashem derail his sharing this information with his children? Nevertheless, they should remove that inspiration from him. And they would not allow Yaakov to share this information with his children. Why is that? Is the beer there? Because there was an added value in the mystery. There's an added value in not being told how it's all going to play out. Because the Shlemus the ultimate state of human endeavor is, is, and the ultimate state of human endeavor is what creates the Zohu, which allows us to get to Mashiach quicker. So you want us to get to Mashiach quicker, then we have to be doing our own avoider. If we're going to do our own avoider, then the avoider is Malach Tchoshetas. It has to be our avoider, things that we do of our own volition. As Chazal tells us, the psychology of people is that we'd prefer a smaller amount that we earn through our own efforts than a larger amount that's given to us by a friend. In other words, there's no question that in order to do anything that the Ebishter expects from us, we need the Ebishter's help. Lashon Chazal, as the famous Gemara Bob Metziah tells us, that every day the Yetzirah tries to derail us, and if not for the Ebishter's help, we would not succeed. So we need the Ebishter's help. But, there are two possible ways that we could have the Ebishter's help in our lives. One way is Aleph, Desiyuah is on Ezumal Maides, Nirgash by Modemoybi Bashas, on In Zain Avoida. The one way is, while I'm doing what the Ebishter wants, I feel the Ebishter holding my hand. I feel the Ebishter supporting me at the time. Well, look, an example of that is, Avoidas Hashem in the Ismanim von Eis Ratzen. When we're serving Hashem at special times of the year, like I said, Simei Tshuvev, and the Ebishter is being Motzeb Yosek Korev, when the Ebishter feels closer to us than usual, other Shabbos, Viyantav, Bechlal, or anytime it's a Shabbos or a Yantav, we're more in a more inspired than usual. So, the Abish is helping us, and we feel the Abish help. Base, but then there's another possibility. 
there's an initial push from Hashem which helps us get going. But then when we're actually serving Hashem, we feel like we're doing it on our own steam. While we're actually investing our effort in doing what Hashem wants, we're not feeling Hashem's guiding hand. We're just feeling our own efforts. Like the Gemara says in various places with Pirkei Ovis, that every day there's a baskel, an announcement that somehow speaks to the subconscious level of our neshama, inspiring us to do what the Abish wants. But we don't actually feel that the Abish day is talking to us while we're serving Hashem. It's just a, a, a little bit of a catalyst. That subsequent to the catalyst, we actually get to be active and do more of what the Abish wants. With that understanding of the two possibilities of how the Ebishter guides and helps us, we can appreciate why the Ebishter removes his divine inspiration from Yaakov at this point. Then Yaakov got bold Let's assume that Yaakov succeeded in what he wanted to do, and he actually shared the information about when Moshiach is coming with his children and the possibility that they could speed it up through their avoidah. Then if they now went and added more effort in doing what the Ebishter wants, they would now be stimulated to do more things because they're conscious that our actions are going to speed up the coming of Mashiach. Isn't it given Then it wouldn't be that they're motivated from within. They're motivated by a carrot, by a particular incentive. If we do work, then we're going to get Mashiach earlier. So that's sitting in their heads and they're not serving Hashem because of their investment. They're serving Hashem because they're chasing a particular goal that David is dangling in front of them. Or Yaakov Avinu dangled in front of them. So therefore what's happening is, in their Avoidah, there is also a certain percentage of the drive that is from Yaakov's inspiration to them. That's why the Ebishter removes the possibility of Yaakov sharing this information. So that the way that the Yidden go about doing their service of Hashem would be without this obvious intervention of the Shechina, on Helamaket, without having the knowledge of when Mashiach is due and how we could speed it, which would have elicited the real purpose and goal, which is we're serving Nebishter because we're serving Nebishter. So Yaakov's focus was, let's get out of Golis as quickly as possible. Yaakov is willing to compromise perfection in terms of doing what Nebishter wants, as long as we get out of Golos quicker. Especially considering where they were in Golos, in the most immoral place on earth in Mitzrayim. Yaakov's urgency is, let's get to ultimate Gula ASAP. And that's actually why the language to describe what Yaakov wanted is, Bikesh, he requested to reveal when Mashiach is coming. That word bikesh is associated with the word bakosha, which is a form of prayer, a form of supplication to Nebuchadnezzar. He's begging Nebuchadnezzar to reveal, share, give us Mashiach now. Help us, give us the information that we could share with the Jewish people, that will empower them, that will get them out of God as soon as possible. That's Yaakov's focus. Nebuchadnezzar has a different focus. David wanted not speed, but effectiveness. He didn't want how quickly we could get out of Golis. He wanted how well we could get out of Golis. 
Was does Falbunda means was the avoided for the Nisbishlamus, which means the Abish wanted us to be able to serve Hashem in the best and most complete way possible. On the river Nistalkum in Menashina, which is why Yaakov Avinu temporarily loses that divine inspiration. Was does Gita not for aggressor Shlemus and avoid the canal because that will then allow the Jewish people to be self motivated rather than be, to be inspired by information that is shared with them from on high. And therefore, their investment in doing what the Ebishter wants will be complete, which the Ebishter cherishes more than a speedy resolution to the Golas. Let's take that deeper. A different union in them. We've now established that to have the most wholesome version of bringing Mashiach, it's that we don't have insight and we don't have inspiration and we're working because we're dedicated and we're finding the wherewithal inside of ourselves to serve the Ebishter. It's not just because the wants us to have a better version of how we get to the Gula. It's because if you want a Gula that is unchanging, that is eternal, you need this kind of avoider to facilitate it. Why this kind of avoider? Because our intention, obviously, is to want to have an eternal Gula that we never go back to any form of Golas. On Shinoyim, in other words, nothing will ever change about the goodness of the Geulah. Like anything else in spirituality, whatever you're working towards, the effort that you invest must match your intention. Your intention is to have an unchanging Geulah, therefore you need an Avoida, which is an unchanging Avoida. What does that mean, an unchanging Avoida? Any time that a person is doing what the Ebishter wants because of higher inspiration, input, or incentive, and not because of personal drive, then my effort is not whole. It's not, it's not consistent. Because if at any moment along the way the Ebishter would lessen or remove his motivation, inspiration, or incentive, the person would drop because they wouldn't have what was driving them so there would not be a consistency in their avoider. Whereas if I'm serving the Ebishter because I am motivated, I've driven myself, learned, understood, appreciated why I should be serving the Ebishter, and therefore I am self-motivated, is then it's consistent and lasting. I am consistent because it's my effort. It's not dependent on an external force that may be interrupted at some point. This is my consistent effort. may not always look identical, but it's my consistent effort. That will create a gula, which is consistent and lasting. Okay, so then why did Yaakov have the thought of doing things differently? Now we have to understand in reverse. What was Yaakov thinking? He obviously knew this. He obviously understood what the Abish's template is for how we achieve an absolute gula through our efforts. Why is Yaakov trying to jumpstart the process? Why does he want to share information that might inspire his children? If by doing so, Yaakov is going to now offer his children the kind of dedication to Hashem which may not be sustainable. Why would he have thought of doing this? So in order to appreciate that, let's look at who Yaakov is and where he is. Chesidus explains 
First of all, we have to appreciate that Yaakov Avinu is at the level of Atzilus, which is a world of perfection to begin with. This is a world where everything is united and f- focused on a singular purpose, and it is beyond the state and after having to, to battle through refining and elevating and transforming the world. So if Yaakov is already at a state which is beyond having to tackle the world and transform it, especially at this stage where Yaakov is now near the end of his physical life and therefore he is at the climax of his spiritual life. He's already completed his avoidance Hashem in the most perfect way possible. And Yaakov has done everything self-motivated. He has done it in the way that David intends. He's not going to be derailed now by knowing the information about when Moshiach comes. If anything, it's going to add fuel to his fire. It's going to take him to a higher level of service of Hashem, and he expects the same of his children. That's why he wants to also share this information with his children. He understands how much value it adds to his avoider being that he's already achieved what he needed to do of his own volition. He thinks the same will happen to his kids. Because Yaakov assumes that his children are also they've also worked through all of their avoider in the best way possible. Look at how the Gemara describes it. When Yaakov now sees that Hashem removes that possibility from him by hiding the Shechina, so now Yaakov cannot share this information with his children. What does the Gemara say Yaakov's assessment is? He said, Oy vey, maybe one of my children is, you know, <laughs> no, no good. He has a psulia, something that disqualifies him from his avoida. So Yaakov is already at the state of climax of spiritual dedication and deserves to have this information when Mashiach is coming. He hoped the same for his children, but they're not there yet. That explains the two, uh, two uh, variables of what happened to Yaakov himself. The Medrash tells us Yaakov also now lost the information about when Mashiach is coming. Because the Medrash is taking the view that the Ebishter wanted Yaakov to also feel what it is to have to be self-driven and motivated without the incentive of, well, if we get these things right, Mashiach will come sooner. And by Yaakov having first-hand experience of what it is to serve Hashem self-motivated, he could then share that with his children and say, your avoid is so valuable. Look, I can relate. I can, I, I can empathize. has a different view. That all Yaakov lost was the manifestation of Hashem's shechina. And he didn't lose the information. He was still aware of the fact of when Moshiach is coming, meaning to say it still added value to his Avoidah. So the Gemara has taken the view that Yaakov is already as good as his Avoidah needs to be. Whatever his children would still have to achieve by not knowing when Moshiach is coming, Yaakov had already achieved and therefore he could still retain the information for himself of when Moshiach is coming and get the benefit of that. We know how the story ends. Yaakov was not permitted by the Ebishter to share the information with his children when Moshiach is coming. But we cannot ignore the fact that Yaakov wanted to share that information. 
And therefore, we can understand, considering that Yaakov, as mentioned, is a vehicle for godliness in the world. And therefore, if he wants to share this information when Mashiach is coming, that means that even then, when the Jews still needed to be able to achieve it's still relevant to share when Mashiach is coming. Not only is it still relevant, we know for certain that if a tzaddik requests something, he will not be sent home empty-handed. Yaakov's request to share the time of Mashiach does have some kind of an impact here on our world. The fact that this episode is recorded in the Torah, the Torah is not a book of stories, the Torah is the book of lessons. Therefore, the story of Yaakov wanting to share the time of Mashiach with his children must carry an eternal lesson for all of us in all generations. And that's similar to something that happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. That even though the Ebishter asked, sorry, that Moshe Rabbeinu asked the Ebishter, please let me go and see the revelation of Elikus, which happens in Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe's intention wasn't just that he should go into Eretz Yisrael, but rather that all the Jewish people should be upgraded to be able to experience Gilo Yelikus, where you see Ebishter. You don't just hear information about Ebishter. And it wasn't granted. It's not the field given. We see the Torah tells us that the Yidden at that time remained at a level that they could only hear about, learn about Godliness, not experience Godliness in full HD. Moshe's request was not returned empty-handed. What he did effect is that every single Jewish person will have at least a subconscious or a peripheral sense or an abstracted sense of acknowledging knowing godliness. And by Yechidah's Kolaych B'Vchines Primus, and in fact, there'd even be some unique individuals who would experience this firsthand. But the point is that when something isn't experienced in the full experience, it's still there in some kind of an abstract form. And it still has an impact on us. And a similar thing is relevant by Yaakov too. The fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal the time of Mashiach's arrival. Yes, we don't have that information, so we don't know exactly when Mashiach is due. But in a more abstract, super conscious way, it gives us a sense of clarity that Mashiach has come. Which means that we could serve Hashem in a way that is similar to as if Mashiach is here, without feeling the overwhelming onus of responsibility to the world or to our own Yitzhahara. And then there'll be some outstanding tzaddikim through the course of history who not only will experience freedom from the Yitzhahara, a personal geula, but they'll actually be able to determine times that are apt for the geula. That's why you have certain great tzaddikim. They actually determine times for Mashiach to come. Now the Gemara says, What's the expression? That Ebesha should like uh, derail the thoughts of people who want to calculate when Mashiach is coming. That's people who de- decide to do so of their own accord. But these great Sadikim actually feed into that information that Yaakov Avinu had, and therefore they're able to determine a ketz. And that gives us a personal lesson of how we're supposed to look at Mashiach and expect and bikesh, demand Mashiach. And the Funazekhairov, this is a lesson for every Jew at every time. 
Every one of us has to be focused on and intended, intended on revealing the time of Mashiach. Which means, Not that we should ask Hashem to let us know when Mashiach is coming. We should rather be demanding of Hashem to reveal Mashiach. The fact that we ask, demand, please reveal the time of Mashiach, reveal Mashiach to us, endorses and augments all of our other avoidance Hashem. As you see clearly, the Rebbe says, When you explain to a Jewish person, we're living literally in the time of Mashiach, and we want Mashiach now. It stimulates the person to do more to serve the Eibishter. And it also prompts people to be sure that they don't do anything that might obstruct Mashiach's coming. And nowadays there's another layer to this principle, which is tells us in Sanhedrin that all of the required time frames for Mashiach, all the things that had to be dealt with in order for Mashiach to come, are done and passed, and the only thing left is for us to do tshuva. In other words, the Gemara is telling us the date that Yaakov Avinu was trying to share with his children has already long ago passed. All we need is tshuva, which happens in shaitachoda, not to be understood as in one hour, but rather vayisha, one movement, one pivot from tshuva, one 360 or 180 degree turn through tshuva. And that will bring that immediately, Mashiach will come and redeem us. It should literally happen right now.